0: blessing to know that we don't have to know what he's doing we just need to know that he's the one doing it praise the lord what a great crowd on a wednesday night and what a great crowd for folks that have been in church for four days and five services somebody i heard them before the service say this revival's been good but if it goes one more night i'm done i'm out they have had all the reviving they can handle. We need some carnality. This is just getting out of hand. And uh, so uh, I told them that they're, they're in good hands. There's little chance of something breaking out with me in the pulpit. Amen. You know, a lot of preachers don't even have revival now. A lot of churches don't even have revival. And they'll tell you they don't have it because nobody will show up. And they had not met y'all. They've not been here. Because you've showed up, and I've watched uh, the services, uh, every one that's happened, and uh, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to go to a church that cares about you enough to plan weeks like this to pour into your life. I need an amen right here. The world drains us so much that there ought to be seasons where we fill up to overflowing. Because the world will certainly do everything it can to put a hole in your joy and your happiness and and your walk with God. So preacher, thank you for having revival. Can we give the man of God a good hand for having revival? I say praise the Lord. I want you to get your Bible tonight and go with me to the book of Genesis, and I want you to find Genesis chapter 49, and I've got... Thirteen waters under this pulpit. We may be here a while tonight. I'm going to preach to the point of dehydration. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I'm not going to pray now. Half of y'all slip out when I'm praying. <laughs> Genesis 49. And I want to look at one verse tonight. In Genesis 49, in verse number 9. You can look this way. Genesis 49 is the account of Jacob who is laying on his deathbed and he has called before him his sons. And in this chapter, every son has received a blessing from Jacob. Now, they're not all blessings. Some of them are rather condemning in nature They are all prophetic in some sort. Some speak to the life of the son and some speak to the future of the son, but they are a blessing because they are from God through Jacob to his sons. And I, for some time, have been preaching out of uh, all of these boys uh, here and there where the Lord has let me. And tonight I want to talk to you about one of them. In verse number 9, let's read it together. The Bible says, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, watch now, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, Who shall rouse him up? Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the difference it is making, not only in this city but around the world. I pray tonight that you would let me have a small part of that by encouraging this flock, by leading them just a little while into some green pasture in the word of God, I pray that your man would be encouraged and helped tonight. God, I pray that you would truly send us out with our spirits lifted, our hearts free, knowing we have been where you are. And I thank you for what you'll do, and it is in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. In verse number 9, Jacob has come to bless his son Judah. Now, the very name Judah is significant in the Bible. When Judah was born, his mother made this statement, I will name him Judah, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. And the name Judah literally means praise. It means with an uplifted hand to praise the Lord. I need some help right here. We are never going to be guilty of praising God too much. We will never be guilty of going overboard in praising the Lord. I'm afraid I've come short several times. I'm afraid I've held back too much a lot of times, but I don't believe that I've ever been guilty of praising God too much. And one of the things that I would like to see come out of this revival right here at Bible Baptist is that through the Word of God, and through the sweetness of your fellowship with him, that your praise would be greater, that your praise would be deeper, and that this church would be known as a place where you can praise the Lord. Judah's name means praise. And as Jacob speaks to him, he compares the life of Judah to the life of a lion. That is interesting to me. It is interesting not only that he compares his life to the life of a lion, but he gives us three distinct progressive points of a lion's life. He shows us a lion at three different stages of life. And he says, Judah, whose name is praise, he said, you will be like the life of a lion. Here's what I want to do tonight. I want to show you the progressions of praise that we go through as believers in comparison to the life of a lion out of verse number 9. He says Judah is a lion's whelp. That simply means... A cub, a newborn, a kitten. This is a brand new lion. I didn't know this, but this verse caught my eye, and when I began to study, I learned, this is so interesting to me, that when lions are born in their infant stage, that mother lion, that lioness, she will remove herself from the pride She will isolate herself from all of the other lions. She will build a den that is away from the group and she will birth those newborn lions inside of that den. After they are birthed in this place of solitude and privacy, after they are birthed, she will keep them there and she will nurse them there for three months before she allows them to come in contact with the other lions. Here's the reason for that. That mother wants those newborn lions to develop a relationship with her where they know, hallelujah, that everything they have is because of her. That she is their caretaker. She watches over them. She provides for them. She feeds them. She keeps them warm. She nurtures them. And in that three months of isolation, that mother's face is memorized by those cubs. Everything they need, she brings it and gives it to them. And there is a relationship established where they become dependent upon her and upon her alone. Can I say this to you tonight? That our praise, the first level of our praise, when we get saved, is we realize that everything we have is because God has given it to us. When, that, when those cubs are taken out of the, that private den and they go back to the pride, other mothers will nurse them. Other mothers will allow them to have milk. But when the enemy comes, or when there is a threat, when there is a danger, those other mothers will not protect those young. They'll let them feed, but they'll not look out for them like their own because they're not their own. And she is establishing to them I am all you need for right now. When you and I get saved, there is an immediate understanding that He is all that we need. Those little lions, they don't have to go out and hunt. They don't have to go prowl the prairie and look for some unsuspecting antelope and that little kitten, that little cub do its best to take it down. No, they're not required to hunt. Mama brings them everything they need. I guess I could say it like this. They don't need anything because all they need is provided just because they're in the family. Are y'all hearing me tonight? When I got saved, I got everything I needed just because I'm in His family. And here's where our praise ought to be. That's enough to praise God for. How many of you remember when you got saved? Wave it to preacher tonight. You remember when you got saved and that fire burned down in your soul? You had an enthusiasm to come to the house of God. There was a joy that flowed out of your life. I like to see people get saved that don't know anything about church. They're not religious. They've not been trained in the ways of Christianity. Here's all they know. They were going to hell, then they got saved. Now they're going to heaven, and they're happy about it. Those kind of people will take your parking place. Those kind of people will move your Bible and your purse, sit in your chair and shout hallelujah the whole time. But Steve, I thought about uh, marketing, producing and selling uh, a line of Bible covers that's made out of no trespassing signs. Because God knows that's really what you mean when you put that Bible there 30 minutes before church. But them new believers don't know that. And they'll slide it over. And they don't know when to say amen. They don't know when to go to the altar. They don't know when to raise their hand. All they know is they're in the family and everything they need, he keeps dropping it off in their lap. And I like it. I'll just be honest with you, and I ain't fussing at you. I'm just going to be candid about me. I have a hard time being around professional Christians. People that are so plastic and practiced and phony that this is just a show and they are performers in some monologue that the world is supposed to look at out in public. I don't like being around professional Christians. I like being around people that's just saved, glad about it, and they want him to know that they're glad about it. That's my kind. I like that bunch. (laughs) I had a fellow get saved some years ago, and uh, he never been in church, no religious background, no church membership as a child, just nothing, he got saved, and he worked on a big road paving crew, just blue collar, and he got saved, and I baptized him, and when I put him under the water, I brought him up My hand to heaven. He threw both hands straight up in the air and hollered, yee-haw. That's redneck for hallelujah in case you don't need interpretation. I think God understands yee-haw. And I think God appreciates yee-haw. It is the innocence of praising God just because we're in the family. If you're not careful, I'm about to preach. If you're not careful, you'll get to a point to where you no longer praise Him over the simple truths of what you got when you got saved. Right. There was a time when Amazing Grace stirred your soul, but now we yawn through it. There was a time when the preacher preached and you thought he'd been following you around, taking notes of your life, but now you just tune in every now and then while the man of God's in the pulpit. And the things that used to move us, the things that used to stir us, they have become common. And I want to encourage you tonight, let's get back to the place where we praise God just because we're in the family. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you something. If you're, if, 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 and y'all's music is wonderful, but if the music group has to sing your favorite song for you to worship, you're not really worshiping it. If Brother Steve has to bring the most dynamic message he's preached all month to get you to move, then you're not really moving because of the Word. You're moving because of the talent of man. If it takes a singing group or an out-of-town speaker to get you pumped up and moving, we ought to check where we are in our walk with God. We ought to be stirred over the simple truths of the faith. Those young lions, they praise just because they're in the family. Is that all right? Will that work for y'all tonight? Notice the second level of the lion's life, and it leads to the second progression of our praise. He said in verse number 9, this is so interesting to me, how profoundly correct God's word is. He said, Judah is a lion's whelp, and here comes the second level, from the prey, my son, thou art gone up. Now, here's the second level. When I was studying this, I, I learned that a lion cub is not allowed to even participate in the hunts until they're 11 months old. They're almost a year before they can even tag along and watch. And they are not capable, from what I've researched, they are not capable of providing for themselves until they're two years old. They are in that level of dependency. But after the age of two, It is now put upon that lion to stop waiting on it to be dropped off and now it's time to get up and go get it. Now, hear me out. When we first get saved, the Bible talks about the milk of the word. God will feed us God will nurture us. God will lead us along in our naivety and in our infant stage of Christianity. But I'm going to need an amen right here. There comes a time when you've got to get up, get out, and go after it for yourself. There comes a time that he's not going to drop everything off in your lap. But you'll have to fight some battles for yourself. You'll have to go through some difficult things. You'll have to pass through some deep valleys. And you'll go through some trying experiences. And here's why. Because God is teaching you the value of praise when it was hard to come by. I learned this. I learned that a lion and its hunting Is only successful between 19 and 25 percent of the time. That means that if a lion goes out trying to get something to eat, out of a hundred times, it's going to fail 81 times. Now, that's bad news if you're a hungry lion. But that's wonderful news if you're just a gazelle minding your own business out on the plains. The lion does not kill every time his stomach growls. 81% of the time he comes back hungry. 81% of the time, he runs, he chases, he burns calories, he exerts energy, he pursues, he is evaded, he loses, and 81% of the time, he goes to bed hungrier than he was when he got up. But here's where that level of praise comes in. That prey, when it is caught it means so much more when you compare it to all the times that he was unsuccessful. He said, from the prey, you have gone up. And there there is a praise that we experience when we have won some battles for ourselves. How many of you remember when it seemed like every prayer you prayed God would answer it before you could even say amen. You had a need and God met it. I mean, you you turn on the radio and it was like that song was sent from God to the radio station up the antenna and into your car just for you. Do y'all remember those days of walking with Jesus early on when it was like God was tailor-making life just for you? And then he takes you to a place to where you wonder where God is. And you wonder what God's doing. And why doesn't God answer my prayer? And why am I reading my Bible and nothing seems to be happening? Why is it that I'm living for God and things are falling apart? Why is it that I'm trying to serve the Lord and yet I don't see any return on this investment? We go through those seasons of difficulty where we are unsuccessful in this Christian life where we don't feel the reward of our labor. But for all the 81 times that we fail, those 19 times that God comes through on our behalf and prayers are answered and victory is found and the word speaks to us and their sweet fellowship, oh, what praise when we have been hungry and now we're full. I remember the first real difficulty that I faced by myself. I was raised in a wonderful home. My mom and daddy, two of the best Christians that I've ever known, still are. And I was blessed with that as a young man, as a teenager, and even early on in life. My wife and I got married. We started the church where we are now. And in that first year that we started our church, we also had our son. And we only have one. His name is Dalton, but we should have called him Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. (laughs) Amen. Somebody said, why did you just have one? Well, he was just such a bundle of joy. We didn't think we could handle much more joy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Just was overjoyed. You know what I mean? I was 23 and Amy was 22. I remember we were sitting in the living room one evening. We had some friends over, sitting on the couch, talking, just having a good time, hanging out. It was a Saturday evening, and all at once, my precious little wife grabs her stomach and screams to the top of her lungs. I thought, Good God, what's wrong? She said, I'm having a baby. I said, I know. That's not new news. We've known that for nine months now. You're having a baby. She said, no, I'm having a baby right now buddy, I come to life. I came up off of that couch. I went and grabbed that bag she'd packed. I went and grabbed the bag she'd packed for us, and I got her. We got in the car. We took off. I mean, weaving in and out of traffic, running red lights in the passing lane. We get to the hospital. I helped her out. We come in the front door. I said, listen, listen, listen. Everybody pay attention. Brain surgeons, get out of surgery. I see you. Shut her down, boys. Get a bed here now. This woman's having a baby. They got us back to the to the floor where you give birth. The nurse came in there, checked her out, and she said, Ma'am, uh, you're not having a baby, you're having a contraction. And I remember thinking. Now, I'm not a doctor, you know, medical doctor, but isn't that part of having a baby? She said, yes, you are having a baby, but you could be days from having this baby. And so we got our little bags, got back in the car, went back to the house, (laughs) got in bed, laid down, got church the next morning. About 3 o'clock in the morning, A scream from another world erupted on the pillow beside me. I I just levitated off of the bed, just rose. I said, what's wrong? She said, this is for real this time. She said, this is it, for real. We went back out, got in the car. I said, "That that was just practice run. This is the real. We ready now. We went back in that hospital, the same ordeal. They took us up in that room. That that PA come in there, and she checked her out, and she said, now, uh, ma'am, I'm going to go over this one more time, one more time. (laughs) What you are having is not yet a baby. It is a contraction. I never will forget it. She said, but if you're going to drive down here, every time this happens by all means, please just stay with us. And we did. And about two days later, we had a baby. You know, did I mention he's Alpha and Omega? Did I bring you a part? You know, you hear people talk about when their babies are born and that moment when they first hold them and look in their eyes, and the emotions, and the, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I was so sleep deprived, I don't remember none of that, <laughs> I don't remember none of that, but here's what I do remember, I remember holding him just a few seconds, and one of the nurses came across the room and said, uh, we're going to have to take him back to the NICU. there's some things that have happened, there's some issues that we're concerned about, and we're going to Monitor him and we're going to check this out and we'll keep you posted. You stay here with her. And I watched our firstborn and would be our only leave my arms just a few minutes old and go out for specialized care. But Steve, I remember looking around that room and I really, I was so tired and so young and just dumb. I, didn't, I really didn't understand everything. But here's what I knew. I knew something was wrong. And I remember looking around that room. And all of my life, my mom and my daddy had prayed me through those deep valleys. All of my life, there had been a church there that would rally and stand with me. And I looked around that room. Have you ever looked for an adult and then found out you was the adult (laughs) and thought, oh boy, this is bad. If I'm the adult, this is bad. But mom and daddy was 12 hours away. And for the first time in my life, I was having to go get it for myself. And I remember praying and asking God, Lord, I don't even know what's wrong. I don't even know what you need to do, but I need you to do something. They brought him back. He's 20 years old now. And Sunday morning, while we were in church, he was on the piano and his mama was singing. And I had myself a little spell sitting over there in my seat because that's a prayer that I prayed that I watched God answer. That was a valley that I walked through that nobody could do it for me. I had to do it for myself. There is a praise that comes when you have gone to battle alone, when you have prayed through by yourself, when no one could do it for you, but you watch God answer and provide. There is a praise that comes when we mature to the point that we do it for ourself. That lion has to learn to hunt, and he has to learn to kill, And he said, when you do, you'll sit down with a full belly and you'll praise me like you never have before because the times that you missed makes the times that you hit that much better. Does that make sense to y'all? There's a third reference here. It's in verse 9. He says this, not just a young lion and not a mature lion, but look at the end. He stooped down. He couched as a lion, watch, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? This is what I learned in my study. Y'all didn't know he was going to go to Animal Planet tonight in church, did you? Have a little Nat Geo revival in the house of Gellar. Here's what I learned in my study. That old lion said, who shall rouse him up? They tell me that when a lion comes to a certain age, to a certain place of maturity, to a certain place of dominance, if you will, that they are not easily stirred up. As a matter of fact, they will become so confident that they will be almost docile in their behavior. And if you've ever watched a documentary or a show, you'll see that old lion laying out and he's he's just got his tail just swatting the flies off of his face. And an impala or a gazelle or a wildebeest, it'll just feed within feet of him and he'll just look over at it, yawn, and go back to sleep. You know why? Because he ain't hungry. If he was hungry... Praise God, he'd have him over for dinner. But he's not hungry. That young lion, you bring an impala within feet of that young lion or that mature lion, he's going to pounce because he's so nervous that he may not get another one. He's going to get this one. But that old lion says, I've done killed so many impalas. I've done killed so many gazelles. I ain't worried about him. If I get hungry, I'll find another one. Those old lions are challenged by up-and-coming lions. When they turn two, they get aggressive and they start seeking dominance. And they will challenge the, the, the leader of that pride and he'll whoop them and he'll send them on their way with their tail tucked between their legs. And they say that after a lion becomes so dominant and so mature that he has defeated all of the up-and-coming challengers that they'll challenge him and he won't even fight them. He's like, you ain't worth me getting off the couch to go outside. He just can't be stirred up. He is so settled and confident that he's not worried about his next meal and panicking over that. Y'all hearing me? He's not worried about some big mouth, smart aleck young lion that's trying to take over. Here's what that old lion knows. Glory to God. He knows if I made it through all of that, I'm going to make it through this. And if I have come this far, I'll make it the rest of the way. And he doesn't, I hope I can say this, he doesn't freak out. He doesn't lose it. He's not a nervous wreck because he has survived enough to know it's going to be okay. And listen to me tonight. There ought to come a time in our praise and there ought to come a time in our walk with God that we praise him because we have been through enough to know He's going to bring us through this as well. I've got three ladies in my church tonight, ages varying from their 30s to their 70s. They're all facing very serious cancer that could be and more than likely is life-threatening if everything doesn't go right. And I want to say to you that being an old lion in Christ has nothing to do with age. You can be old in years and young in faith. And then I've watched 11-year-olds have faith that could move a mountain. So I'm not talking about you're getting your AARP. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about in your walk with God. You have come to a place that you trust Him. You have come to a place that you believe Him. And you know that if he has been faithful, he's going to be faithful. And if he's carried us this far, he'll carry us the rest of the way. Listen to me. And we praise God not because it's working out, but because we know that it will work out. And here's where that old line lives that even if it doesn't work out, it still works out because it always works out when you're a child of God. I've got three ladies that are facing cancer, very serious conditions from 30 to their mid to late 70s. And I've watched all three of them come to church week in and week out with a smile on their face and the joy of the Lord flowing out of their heart because they've got that old line faith that says, I ain't going to wait for it to get fixed before I praise him. I'm going to praise him now because I know that he's brought me this far and he'll handle whatever else comes down the path. I'm done. Jacob, would you come? The little church that I pastor was in our second year We had gone through some real difficulties. At that time, it was the lowest point in my ministry and in my life. I was devastated. Things had happened that shook me, that shook our church. I didn't want to be there anymore. I'm just being honest. I didn't want to be there. This may be a little too transparent, but just deal with it. I'd pull up to my parking space outside. used to I'd jump out of the truck my Bible in my hand running to the pulpit but brother Steve I was so empty I remember sitting in that truck (sighs) I have to pep talk myself to go inside empty I was done other doors had opened brighter opportunities bigger places and I was done, done. You hear me, done. I picked up the phone one day, and I remember where I was standing. Thank you, Jesus. I remember where I was standing. I remember what I was looking at, and I picked up the phone. I called an, an older lady that was in our church that was one of the greatest women of God I've ever known in my life. I said, Miss Martha, I said, I'm through. I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. But Steve, <laughs> I heard that old lion roar on the other end of the phone. She said, did God tell you to come here? I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> she said, has God told you to leave? I Heard that old line with that faith. And I said, no, ma'am, he hasn't. She said, well, it don't seem to me like you've got much say in the matter. I'll see you Sunday. (laughs) And hung up on me. (laughs) And I remember thinking, don't she know how bad this is? Don't she know how empty I am? Doesn't she know that it's never going to be what it was and it's never going to be okay. This is it. But here's what those old lines know. They know that God's still God. They know that this isn't it. And God's going to bring you through just like he always has. I'm not going to stand up here and act like I'm there in my walk with God, but I will say this, I want to be there in my walk with God. I want to walk into the impossible and yawn and say, this ain't no big deal. God's got this. Just like He had all that. Don't you want to praise Him tonight? Don't you want to praise Him just because you're in the family? How many of you have had some hard battles that you had to fight and you didn't win at first, but Look look at where God's got you now. How many of you have been through so much that God proved himself faithful that you can praise him no matter how this shakes out? We can praise him. Stand up with me all over the building. Just right now, while you're standing, just keep that momentum moving and let's just come find a place in this altar, and let's just praise Him. Some of you, it's been a long time since you've just praised Him because you're saved. Come thank Him for grace. Come thank Him that you're in the family. Come praise Him that hell is no longer an option. Heaven's your home. Some of you are standing beside answered prayers. Some of you are living in victories that you fought for for years, but you're living in it now. (laughs) The devil said you'd never be sober, but here you are clean in God's house. The devil said you'd never not be depressed, but here you are with joy. The devil told you that you'd never have a relationship with your children, but you do. Oh, I'd praise him. Oh, I'd praise him. I'd praise him.